This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Work Talk. This is a new series by The Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. At Work Talk, we want to help you work smarter, think deeper, and get ahead in your work life. It's appraisal time. That time of the year again, when managers and workers sit down for that much dreaded exercise, also called the performance review. Surveys and studies have shown that these reviews or praises are mostly dissatisfying, not just for workers, but for managers too. They take up too much time, managers are biased from the start, workers are never open to feedback, so it goes on and on. Why do annual performance reviews have such a bad name? Can we do better? Should we even keep them? I'm Chris Boo, and to speak on this topic today, I'm delighted to have Mr. Louis Garrett and Ms. Yang Yang. Louis is the career business leader at global consultancy Mercer Singapore. Yang Yang is a financial professional in the logistics sector. Welcome to the show, Louis. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's great to be here. And so pleased to have you too, Yang Yang. Yeah, thank you for having me. And Louis, I'm going to start the podcast with you. What is a common performance review system used by companies today? And why are they so dissatisfying to many managers and workers? So I'd say the most common performance system that we see in organizations is some kind of rating scale. So used once a year, maybe five points where you get a number or a letter to kind of try to summarize your contribution through the course of the year. And frankly, many people find it incredibly demoralizing and dissatisfying just to have their year's worth of hard work boiled down to this single figure or grade, because work obviously moves at much more pace. The other thing that we notice about these performance appraisals is that they're full of all sorts of forms and complex documentation, which frankly feels like a waste of time. The last thing I would say is, is that a lot of leaders use the annual performance appraisal as an opportunity to make themselves feel big and important. They just use it as an opportunity to say, listen, uh, this is how I feel about you and why I am dissatisfied or if you're lucky, happy with you. That doesn't help the person receiving that feedback improve his or her performance. It's just evaluative. You said evaluations are very important to people in Singapore. I thought that nails it because we are Kiasu. Singapore is a country. We're always looking at how we're performing. We're always rating ourselves against last year, last quarter, last month. What do you think Singapore workers are looking at in appraisal systems? Uh, Yeah, so Singapore is an incredibly meritocratic society. And I think that's why this is such an important process, right? You know, we are constantly used to grading ourselves and evaluating ourselves. Um, You know, we hold ourselves to high standards, but even through education systems, which are really fixated on credentials and outcomes and exams and these sorts of things. Now, by the way, I'm not even always sure that that's as healthy way of approaching the situation because if you're constantly focused on evaluating yourself you take your eye off the learning the development the self-reflection and the growth that really is a critical component of this process how are singaporeans different from workers in other countries when it comes to accepting appraisers and feedback from the managers you know singapore is a well-developed highly skilled economy with lots of companies from overseas, from Japan and from the United States present here. So we inherit a lot of their ideas and systems. One of the things we do notice, though, is that, you know, on a let's say a five-point rating scale, people will consider anything 
below four to be unacceptable for them. You know, uh, even though you know three out of five would be average or normal. Many people in Singapore find that rating unpalatable. Whereas if you went somewhere like Japan, a three would be considered entirely fine and in fact good by many people in that culture. Part of the problem there is that we keep using numbers or grades to try to evaluate people rather than thinking in more qualitative ways about how to describe someone's performance. Um, in you know, in Mercer, for example, we use three rating points. We have standout. On track and off track. So, of course, standout and off track are very small groups of people. So, most people are on track with great performance, and you know that really helps us communicate in a more meaningful and engaging way, rather than just assigning numbers to people. And we see increasing numbers of organizations using that kind of system. And Yang Yang, you're a manager too. You do performance appraisals too. So, are you doing anything differently now with hybrid and remote working? In the past, we probably will consider only the performance you observe in office, and then right now we do need to go beyond that. We need to see how people that really making their efforts to 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 make sure that all the work has been delivered within a difficult time. Louis, you know, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, we are now working so differently from before. So, for managers, do you have advice on how they should appraise their staff differently? My first piece of advice is beware your first instinct, because it's human nature to view people more positively if you see them more often. You know that's how we build relationships and communities, and so people who are more visible to you are likely to cause you to be biased positively towards those people. That does not mean that those people are performing better or contributing more. It just means that they're more present to you. Because you really need to understand who this person is connecting with, the value that they're adding to the organization, how they're experienced by their peers, by your customers, not just how you, as an individual, experience them. And that will mean that we need to be a lot more sophisticated in how we approach performance evaluations. You know, if I were a manager, what is the one thing that must come to my mind when I'm doing an appraiser? Yeah, what is the evidence for my opinion? That's the the first thing. If it's just that's how I feel, then I would argue that's insufficient evidence <laughs> to make an evaluation about somebody's hard fought contribution over the course of the year. Now, don't get me wrong; some performance issues are obvious, but if you're waiting for the end of year appraisal to address that, then I would say that you're definitely not doing your job as a manager well. And if it's You know, this person wants to have a conversation about promotion, and frankly, they're not ready to be promoted. Then you should be prepared to have a conversation about not just why that is, but the advice that you would give that person to give them a better shot in the near future. And part of that is just understanding that organisations are political entities, as in they have internal politics. And often, being promoted is not just about your contribution at work; it's also about your ability to form your relationships and influence people. So, you know, be prepared to have a conversation that, that addresses those sorts of topics. So many workers can identify with that. You know, if you're close to your boss and you can brown nose better than your peers, you tend to rise faster. And Young, you told me a very interesting story about how you know you had a piece of feedback from your manager during the pandemic that you found very difficult to stomach. 
but you didn't let it rest. You follow up with her and it ended in quite a good outcome. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So when the pandemic hit in early 2020, we had just restructured to our global team. And my manager was based in the US. So it was challenging to have effective communication due to time zone boundaries and the struggles of working remotely. So our data information was shared and we had to cancel regular touch points due to scheduling conflicts. The feedback from her was about having transparency in the decision making and proactively communicating issues. So it was difficult to accept the feedback considering the efforts that I had put in during an unprecedented time. So I did not respond to the feedback on the spot. After a few days, I still can't get over it. So I follow up with my manager to clarify the expectations. Uh, and my, my manager was very helpful. And then she gave me an action plan that I could work on for the next six months. It was an open dialogue that bridged the gap in job expectations and helped us understand the challenges on both sides. And we haven't had any problems with communication ever since the day we had that conversation. So it was a good outcome, you know, that came out from a performance review exercise. Yeah. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest, Mr. Louis Garrett of Mercer Singapore and finance professional, Ms. Yang Yang. You've been working for 12 years, but you are also a millennial manager. So the millennials tend to be quite different from their predecessors, the, the X generation or the boomers. When you are appraising your younger staff and for yourself, and when you're giving them feedback, what do you need to do differently? This younger generation is hungry for growth and they don't want to wait for it. They want to take every opportunity from both inside and outside the organization. So performance reviews have to focus on growth opportunities and the career development. And uh, young employees are also eager to take up more responsibilities and leadership. So they don't want to be confined within their job scope. So they want more. So in my experience, I do find future-focused performance reviews are somehow more appealing to them uh, than those reviews solely looking at the past performance indicators. And most importantly, younger employees want their voices to be heard and valued. So we as managers have to learn how to become better listeners. Louis, so I'm going to turn the question around and ask you, you know, we're having a lot of mid-career joiners, people who have been very successful in their previous careers maybe, and leaving the workforce or, you know, being, having their jobs taken away by the disruptions and joining new companies, taking on new jobs, going in at entry level or lower levels. How should a millennial manager appraise these mid-career joiners who have seen a lot more and probably a lot more experience in the corporate world than they are? Think that if you were a leader of that person, just be honest and transparent. There is much you can learn from a more experienced person who's been around a little longer than you and maybe has some relevant experiences. So just make sure that it's not one-way conversation. It can be this is, you know, if you are technically more developed than a, a person who's older than you, as in you have more relevant technical skills, then great, you can offer them some advice and areas that they can grow in. But be prepared to listen, you know, about that person's experiences and, and how they might benefit. Yang Yang, I want to ask you about bad reviews. You know, as a manager, have you had 
had to give a bad review or negative feedback to your staff. And how did you do it? Um, well, um, speaking from my own experience, certainly it's not easy to handle a bad review gracefully, right? So I can say from my experience is first, don't rush to react. And take a moment and remind yourself to put feedback in its proper perspective. Then and only then should you decide how to respond. And second, get more data and seek clarification because you can't add on feedback until you truly understand it. And people don't see us the way we see ourselves. So it's usually a good idea to ask a few trustworthy sources whether they have noticed the same behavior, like 360-degree feedback. And third, have a follow-up meeting with your manager. It's important to talk it out and agree on the way forward. It also keeps you and your manager aligned and encourages two-way conversation about your goal, progress, and performance. We have an Ask the Expert segment every episode, and do you have a question for Luis? Oh yes, so Luis, more companies today, like my organization, adopt a global team structure to leverage diversity and the local expertise. As a result of less in-person interaction, how do we as managers conduct an effective performance review with limited observations and the cultural differences? The primary thing to keep in mind is fairness. So, you know, everybody appreciates a fair and objective review, no matter what cultural background they come from. And I think as a line manager, you should be thoughtful about how can I make sure that no matter where the person is, I'm treating him or her fairly based on the criteria that I have to evaluate them against. The other thing I would say, Anyang, is that um, increasingly organizations think not just about what someone was able to do, but also how they did it. The behaviors that they use that signal whether or not they're aligned to the organization's values, they show care and respect for others, and that they have the potential to continue to learn and grow. Much of what is often done in an organization is due to external circumstances. You know, if someone hasn't been able to achieve everything that we wanted them to achieve, um, perhaps we should see them in a more holistic way. So actually, I, I really think the move to digital working has the, gives us the opportunity to create a much fairer, much more open, much more transparent performance process. Louis, do we have a question for Yang Yang? I, I do, yes. So, Yang Yang, I wondered if in your experience uh, as, a, as a manager, if you ever felt that you gave a performance review that you were personally unhappy with and, you know, thought, well, actually, maybe I should have done that better. You know, what's your reflection as you've been through this process? I, we do have some experience like with uh, the ratings and the, because people will give feedback in terms of the they are not agreeing with their, uh, with their ratings and they, they want you to me as a manager to justify the rating. I really uh, do some self-reflection in terms of the review process. And I think the takeaway from all those meetings is we have to list down all those observations as a basis to justify our performance review so that we are able to answer the questions from the team members because they are the receiver of those scores and it's going to affect them in certain ways. And we need to take the responsibility and justify the reason for it. It's never just about who is going to receive the ratings and what they are going to respond to the ratings. The manager who gave the performance review then also should learn from the employees. 
I mean, they may rush for the deadline and uh, delay their appointment at night, but they don't tell you. But during the performance review, and they kind of share that with you. So that's really the perspective the manager should take in. It's interesting to me because so many people have experienced so much pain as a result of this. In fact, even before the pandemic, there was a lot of discussion about eliminating the performance rating as a component of the review process. My biggest problem with that is, of course, at the end of the year, you need to assign rewards to people, rewards are scarce resources, and you need to have a system through which to do that. So you might as well make it honest and transparent. So we're talking about how we have the great resignation and this big battle for talent in the pandemic and the post-pandemic times. How important is it for managers to get performance appraisers right, especially during this time? For many people, the experience of having their performance and contribution evaluated is incredibly emotional. So it's much easier to say, that's it, I quit, if you're feeling frustrated or scared or for whatever reason, you know. So it's important that the performance process engenders some kind of future-oriented excitement about, ah, this is a place that I want to be, I think I can learn and grow here. Um, no matter what my contribution is, this person who I'm having this conversation with seems interested in my success. So in the current labor market, we have an opportunity to make sure that these good practices become the priority for, for line managers everywhere. Yang Yang, as a manager yourself, are you worried about your team members leaving if you give them a bad performance review this year? Yes, of course, because it's really a tight uh, labor market and every firm organizations are fighting for talents. Do you get this, this fear that people are more likely to leave this year compared to the past if they don't get a good review and people are more demanding as well when it comes to performance review? I already received three resignations for the past one month. Out of curiosity, were the three resignations after their performance appraisers? Yes, the timing-wise, yes. It's right after July. <laughs> we always romanticize the unknown, which means that other organizations who are offering sexy opportunities for personal growth and development and hybrid working or all this other nonsense. So I think also for job speed seekers, be as realistic as possible. It's good advice, whether it's for your career or for your personal life or your marriage partner, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have both of you. It's a great pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Work Talk, a series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. I'm Chris Wu. If you'd like to read the column, Oh, How We Suck at Work Appraisers, there are links in our podcast text description. Email me your thoughts too. In the meantime, have a good work week. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.